Good afternoon. Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 6, uh, verses 1 through 15. Now in, those, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. This is the word of God. All right. You know, with all this artificial intelligence chatter, AI chatter, it's, you know, started especially kind of began, I think, intensity a couple of years ago, but it's, it's even increasing with all these different iterations, right, of chat GPT. And it's led to all these predictions of which human jobs will, will, will disappear, right, or on the chopping block, or, or in the future, just the tasks that won't be there. And uh, we just see this as new technology, new circumstances. What they're doing is um, they're starting to maybe creak and render old jobs maybe useless or obsolete or severely, uh, um, uh, I can't even think of the word, cut into. (laughs) Um, And and it's because of this, it's because of, you know, new technology new things, new technology, rendering old things useless. It's because of this that Stephen gets killed in Acts chapter seven. And you're like, huh, I didn't see that from the text. Um, I I think I can show it to you here. uh, it's interesting, we, we have this series called Scattered Church, and this is what's interesting about cr- Christianity. It is the fastest moving sociological movement that has been sustained in all of human history. And it confounds, and this is not just Christian historians, this confounds um, secular historians as well. 
And what's interesting is that it begins to spread and cover an entire empire. And these are a few features of what we see at the beginning is um, the first feature is that everything goes really bad for all of its adherents and followers. Like they lose their lives and their possessions and reputation and wealth. Like things just go really bad for the followers and yet it still spreads. Okay, that's weird. The second thing is that they they didn't have an army. They didn't have a national reality. They didn't have political power. They didn't have any coercive force that they could use to spread across an empire like Rome's army. Um, There was no utopian compound where um, there was a promise of like free food and um, there's afternoon making hemp bracelets and you can wear robes and there's free love. Like there was no promise of like a utopian compound and yet it totally spread. And it goes viral across an empire and it stays that way. And, and, and historians look at this and they're like, huh? I, what, I, why, did that ha- why did that happen? Why did that happen? It, 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 partially for this, and the lives of everyday, normal, nameless Christians were magnetically attractive, and they weren't just attractive to an empire in its generality, they were very attractive, especially to their neighbors. The lives of Christians were attractive to their neighbors. What was attractive about it? They were acting like priests. Again, you're gonna look at that and say, I don't know if we read the same text. They were acting like priests and they had a priestly vibe going on with them. Now, we know this through many early letters that we have from ruler to ruler or dignitaries and diplomats to other dignitaries and diplomats, business people sending letters to other business people is that Christians were known for something. They were known for giving great attention to and real time to, and real money to, and real friendship resource to, those that were poor, and I don't just mean materially poor, I mean those that were medically discarded, physically disabled, most vulnerable, politically powerless, disreputable even, and all classes and strata of society, even to the lowest of the low, which were the slaves. Again, this is what I want you to see. This wasn't a program initiated by the people in charge at the synagogue or the people in charge at at the church offices. This wasn't a program. These were individual, nameless Jesus followers acting like priests. Now, why do I say that? They were acting like priests to the community around them. And you may not like that word, but I'm gonna keep on using that word priest. The text tells us this, this is in verse seven. The text tells us this, a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. It marks it out. Luke Luke highlighted this and said, it's unbelievable that a lot of priests started coming to faith. Now, why was that? Um, The priests were those in charge of professional charity work. This, this goes back into um, ancient Israel, right? Um, what, what, so if you're a beggar, 
if you've got no leg or an amputated leg, if you're destitute, if you're an orphan, if, you're, if your husband got crushed in a crazy freak wagon accident, if, if, if you had a, got a weird disease and there was no known cure for it, what did you do? You went to the temple. They said, yeah, go to the temple. Go to the temple. The priests are in charge of taking care of all those people. The priests, that's their job. See if you can get some money from the priests. That's, they take care of charity work. And what was happening is this is the professional priests saw a bunch of normal normies walking around acting like priests. What are you doing? What are you doing walking around taking care of people that are poor? And I don't just mean materially poor, but like, what are you doing? You're, you're acting like a priest. So in Acts 7, um, Stephen gets a rock shower. And a rock shower is a stoning. He gets stoned to death. Okay, so I'll just call it a rock shower from now on. Why did Stephen get a rock shower? So maybe because he was acting like a priest? Uh, not really. He said something in Acts 7. He has a speech he gives. And he says something, he goes, uh, yeah, you know your temple? It's not needed anymore. And you know your priests? Unnecessary. Commence rock shower. Um, Stephen was saying this, there is new gospel technology on the scene right now and your priests are obsolete. And they had proof of seeing people walking around with their neighbors acting like little priests. So how do we know this? In Acts 7, when Stephen begins to receive his rock shower, Stephen looks up to heaven and this is what he sees. He sees a door open into heaven. He sees it. This is uh, uh, Acts 7, I think it's 55, verse 55. Um, and there's no traffic and there's not a roadblock and there's not a guard. There's not St. Peter with his, because he's on earth, but like there's not like an angel with his shoulders crossed and there's not the two swords that we see guarding Eden. It's just wide open and what does Stephen sees? I see Jesus, my high priest, at the right hand of God the Father. So this is it. I want you to see something is that an empire and especially neighbors of these nameless individual Christians they weren't convinced of Christianity because they were super, super, super nice and smiled a lot. They, they, people, their neighbors were not convinced of Christianity because they said shoot and dang it instead of the other words. Like they, weren't, like they were not convinced of Christianity because they were just great Ned Flanders people. That's, that, that's not why they were convinced of Christianity. It wasn't because they were cordial. It wasn't because they were polite. It wasn't because they were affable. It wasn't because they were conscientious and they recycled. It wasn't because of that. 
It wasn't because they kept the noise down upstairs past 9 p.m. And they were like, those Christians are always so careful to be quiet. Like, that's not why Christianity spread. They saw, this is why Christianity spread, is because Christians saw Jesus as their high priest and all the other religious trappings were obsolete and useless. Absolutely useless. Which begs the question, okay, remind me again, what does a priest do? Now, there are many facets of a priest, but I'm only gonna cover one, only one. A priest goes to God for others. I don't know if you remember in middle school or in high school, and it actually happens into adulthood as well. But when you were glancing across the class, um, you saw just sweet, sweet Susie. Man, just the glisten in her hair, the way she ate her Cheetos, or no, 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 if it's not Sweet Susie, it was Dreamy Je- uh, uh, Jeffrey. Sweet Susie, Dreamy Jeffrey. And, and a, a lot of us were like, wouldn't it be great if I was like near Sweet Susie or Dreamy Jeffrey and we were sharing Pop-Tarts and, and, and we were listening to our cassette Sony Walkman together and giggling together and enjoying life together. Wouldn't it be great, but, 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 but what happened, what happened? Well, um, if you were like me and a lot of my friends, you couldn't handle the presence of Sweet Susie or Dreamy Jeffrey. But what you could do is get one of your friends to go talk to one of Sweet Susie's friends or Dreamy Jeffrey's friends or Maybe Susie herself. Why could, why was it hard to be like, I, I would love to be around them, but why, what, why no? Why the, why the need for the priest to go in your stead? Because this is, I really, really want to be in their presence, but I kind of feel too small and not enough. I need somebody else to do it. I need a priest. So every culture, every culture, and this stretches into antiquity as well, is a priest was probably better than you were. And that's why you went to them because you're like, oh sweet, maybe they'll go to God for me because I feel too small and not enough. Now you could say this, okay, hey, that's pretty dumb and primitive and that's a passe notion, Tim, because now in modernity, we live in a society of self-assuredness, self-esteem, healthy expression of self leading to confidence and we have built excellence Teflon against shame-based notions. Except we haven't, let me show you. Now this is very, very interesting, is because of the fall, because of what happened in Eden, that, that, that huge rift between God and man and, and that rift breaking into every category of human existence, 
is that the door to the most exclusive club of all time was slammed shut to us. What is the most exclusive club of all time? The Trinity himself. It was shut to us, no getting back in. Like, you can't find a party dress that would get you back in. You, can't, you couldn't spend enough money for accessories to get you back in that door. It was shut to us. And we know it. And because we know it so intensely and so intimately, I am not enough to get into that door. We all dress so that we can get into doors that are lesser. And it can be a club, it can be a friend group, and it can be a nebulous socioeconomic level, or it can be a niche subgroup which is based in hobbies or something, but we're gonna find a door to get into. It can be a professional group, a door opens to us because we know how to dress. This is it, is everybody I have talked to in my ministry says that they feel like an outsider. We all feel like outsiders, every one of us. And so we'll put on a costume to get inside a door, any door. And we work really hard, at, we will pay tons of money to have similar costumes in cars and houses and trips and clothes and vocab and education. We will work for that. So the doors stay open, some door, and I'm not left outside a door. I want to be in a door, some door, I don't care but it's a lesser door. And the biggest, most exclusive door, God himself is shut to us by our covering and our working for it. It's just shut. We will never be able to dress and put up enough makeup and get the stuff for it and do enough good to get in that door. It's shut to us. And Stephen says this, I see a wide open door into heaven. This is anti-shame talk, right? This is, an, this, is, this is shame killer kind of talk when Stephen says this. I see a wide open door open for me. I have full-on open access to God himself. The door is open for me. And because of that, check this out, Stephen's really not afraid of anything else, even a rock shower. Stephen acted as what? As if anybody could walk right in a normie a nameless follower of Jesus. But why? Because Jesus was finally the real priest that didn't have to apologize like Aaron did at his best. I won't read it for you now, but I did put it in the reflections in the online bulletin. Please read George Herbert's poem, Aaron. It is gorgeous. Finally, we have a priest who's gonna bear the iniquity of all of our best dress up, play dress ups to get in a door. Finally, we have a priest who just 
says, I will go through the door myself for you. Now, how do you know this? How do you know if you need or someone around you might need a high priest? How do you, how, how do you know that? I, I get this a lot from Blaise Pascal, mathematician, philosopher, logician. If you run into a judgy person who has lots of ideas about how everybody needs to try just a little bit harder, you've met a person who is just saturated in works, works, works to try to open a door. And if they are judgy, it means that they feel that they are actually crushing life and they're superior to you. And they need a high priest. That might be you. You need a high priest. But, but Blaise Pascal had a second thing. He said, you can also tell if something between false religion and true religion. And he said this. He said, you might run into a seemingly humble person Um, who is really mopey and despairing and sad and discouraged. And they are saturated with works just as much as the judgy person. Why? Because they think they'll never crush it and do it. It's the same thing. And, and so... Blaise Pascal said this, he said, um, Christianity kills both superiority and inferiority, why? It kills your superiority because you didn't do it, another person did it for you. And it kills inferiority because the person who did it, did it perfectly. Um, this is what we say to our own hearts. I have a high priest that crushes it for me in my place. I am bedecked. I am bedazzled. I am kitted out in the latest, greatest cosmic fashions to give me access to that door and it never goes out of fashion and it never goes out of style. I can go anywhere. The door to God is open to me because I have a high priest who crushed it for me. Now why? He went all the way in. He went all the way in into the most sacred, brilliant, holy places of God for you and me. All right, now when you have that kind of confidence the door to heaven is open to me. It can't be superiority and it can never be inferiority. So what does a priest look like? A little mini priest running around on the daily, a little mini priest who has a great high priest. What, what do they begin to look like on the daily? Well, let me just give you seven. Um, in, think about your friend group or your church community or your social circle, what does it look like? 
if you have a great high priest, it means you can be around any manner of persons and you don't do something. You don't automatically sort and classify the level of person. You don't say, oh, I know for sure I'm above those and I know for sure they're above me, but in a few years' times, maybe I'll progress. No, if you've met a high priest, the classifying people melts away. Two, you begin to care and draw near to poor, and I don't just mean the materially poor, I mean the poor in spirit, I mean the poor in ableness, I mean the poor in social ability, I mean the poor in resource. Um, you begin to draw close to them in a very, very different way. If you are saturated in works, you will approach people that are poor, or poor in spirit, or poor in resources, and what you will do is you will, you will be helpful to them, and you will be helpful from up here. And it's like you're patting them on the head and you feel really bad for them and say, oh my goodness, I have some help for you. And, are, and, and, and it's, it's, this is metaphorical, of course. Like, here you go, here you go, you poor thing, you poor thing. You know that you are covered in works if you do that. But if you've met a high priest, you know what happens? And I have seen this happen in relationships is that you, begin to come side by side and the poor person inexplicably, because you kind of thought they were below your station, inexplicably becomes a very, very close friend. That's how you know you've met a high priest because a high priest cares and draws near. Three, priests are advocates for those that don't have any kind of pull or power. I've seen this happen too, is someone doesn't have the, the voice to even like a teacher or a principal and coming in. I remember distinctly, I was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and um, there was a woman that had gone to the emergency room and she had sat there eight hours and she looked very different from me. And she called me up and she said, Pastor Tim, I haven't been able to be seen. And I went down there and I walked up to the counter and I said, I'm Tim Lian, a pastor here. And um, I've got a buddy that writes for the, the paper. And she's been here for eight hours and no one has seen her. I said, I really would like to her to be seen in the next five minutes. Lo and behold, a room opened. What? You gotta do this, and it's gotta be for a person that can get you nothing but grief. They have no power, they can't add to your resume. That's what a priest does. Priests are sympathetic and they're easy to talk to. This is the fourth one. Um, they don't have a lot of advice and judgy things for you. They're incredibly sympathetic. Five, um, a priest will speak to God for you. I know that the Bible instructs us to pray for our enemies, but let me just ask you to your own heart, like when is the last time you've prayed for a friend? Like enemies next level, but like a priest will start just praying for other people, neighbors around them. 
Jesus, work on their, work for their good. Six, when you're around a priest, you will feel stronger and bigger and larger and more calm and more invincible when you talk to a priest because what? Is they don't make you think you need to try harder. And you walk away and say, I am more prepared for the ill coming my way because they talk to me. Seven, like Stephen. Well, let me back up. When I read this the first time, the, uh, DJ read verse 15, and it says something that I thought was a little campy. And Stephen's face shone like an angel. That's how I read it the first time. I, I, that, that's my Western cynical mind, just like, that's a little melodramatic until it hit me. This is what was magnetic and attractive to all the neighbors in the first century, is when they saw their neighbor being a little mini priest, it was bold and it was lovely. It was lovely. To become a priest, normal, everyday, nameless Christian, Look to your high priest. The greatest door is now open to you all of the time. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, you have made a way to yourself because of our great high priest, Jesus. In fact, his very spirit is here in us through faith. that gives us full access to you. Apply this to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.